I know that you're very disappointed that you only get 23 and a half hours of a fourth week of Advent. So you're, you're cheated out of a full week of contemplating your sinfulness, your need for repentance, etc. So we're, we're just going to have to skip right to Christmas in, in less than a day. Well, if you come tonight, even less than that. Um, people here never laugh at that stuff. I don't know. They really laugh. Down in Ash Fork, they were rolling. They're like, absolutely, we don't want to do more penance. But you guys are like, we want more penance. Um, I can't extend Advent for you. Um, but how then, you know, it's pretty hard to separate Advent and Christmas. It always is. I mean, even here, you know, we've got the tree, but we didn't light it. And we have hay, but nothing in it. We were going to put a donkey and a, and a cow there. But then I thought, well, I don't really know what kind of message or symbol that would send. So we're, you know, we're incomplete. We're halfway in between. People are making preparations for Christmas, but we're still supposed to be spiritually in Advent. You know, people will say after Mass, Merry Christmas, and it's fine. It's not, I mean, it's not wrong. But we struggle with this every year because the church doesn't celebrate a feast until it occurs. And then we celebrate it for weeks after the fact, right? So in secular society, we've been celebrating Christmas since, yeah, like, October, Halloween, <laughs> just skip right over Thanksgiving, right? Um, because everything's just sort of focused, commerce and, and all the rest, capitalism, you know, we want to, society kind of wants to, to shovel all that in. Um, but spiritually, we're supposed to see it a little bit differently. The same thing happens in Easter is, you know, we have that long buildup of Lent where we prepare for Easter, and then we celebrate Easter for like seven weeks. Um, the reason we do that is because we as a church and, and liturgically, you know, and spiritually, we celebrate something for a long period of time after it occurs. So, for instance, my birthday in August, if we were to do it liturgically, we would, <laughs> we would celebrate my birthday for an entire week, which, which you're more than welcome to do when we get to August. We could try it this year if you want. Um, okay, so I'd like to pass on for you or hand on to you just sort of one, one spiritual point uh, that, that might connect with our readings uh, today. The second reading, St. Paul is speaking to the Romans, the church, the Catholic church in Rome, and he's exhorting the people to allow the the Lord Jesus, allow his strength to be present in their lives. Allow the Lord to give you strength. You know, the, the same Lord who is predicted in the Old Testament, um, the Messiah, uh, the same Messiah who was, was revealed to all of the people and the apostles, the one who was revealed to St. Paul, and the one who is manifest in the church. Allow him to build you up and strengthen you. Now, when we look at the, the scene from the gospel today, the Annunciation, I mean, a very familiar scene, right? The angel Gabriel appearing to, to Mary and really kind of her response is, is one of being perplexed or wonderment. 
You know, what in the world is this? This angel comes to me. That alone is probably shocking. And then says, hail full of grace. You know, and we're told Mary pondered. What does that mean? What does that mean? I mean, you know, there's probably, Mary probably had some kind of sense that she was a, a bit different. But being fully human, she, she wouldn't have really probably seen her uniqueness in the same way that God saw it, or we even see it to this day. How much would she really have understood about that? Instead, here is a young girl of, you know, between 13 and 15. An angel is appearing to her and saying, you know, hail full of grace. Wow, okay. Oh, and by the way, as if that wasn't shocking enough, God is, is going to give you a son. You are going to be, become pregnant with God's son. And this is going to happen without the intervention of man, but only through the intervention of God. Well, how is that going to happen? And furthermore, what do I tell Joseph? By the way, Joseph, I have to talk. We, we need to talk. I'm pregnant. What? We're engaged. How did that happen? Well, there was this angel, you know, and we know Joseph's response. Joseph loved Mary so much and cherished her, but he, he clearly didn't believe her com completely right away because he was going to divorce her, right? I mean, you don't divorce somebody who you're, you, you say, well, obviously she's telling the complete truth. I mean, if you believe that right off the bat, he would, he would have stayed with her, but but he, he really struggled with that. So the, the gift, you know, we see it as a gift, the gift of God given to the, to the blessed mother of a child, a child always being a gift, is something which also leads to a great amount of difficulty for Mary. How is this going to, I'm going to bear God's son? And she understood the prophecies. So she knew what it meant to name Jesus Jesus, she knew what it meant that God was taking this intervention. She knew the words from Isaiah about a virgin conceiving. She had, she had knew, the, knew the scriptures. So she also was starting to think, well, is this child then the Messiah? Is this the one? So as a young, young woman, how is this all going to play out? No doubt she really didn't. There's no way she could have known. There's no way that she could have felt completely secure in the future of all of this. You know, her future with Joseph, her future with her family, etc. But what she did know was how much her God loved her. What she did know is that when she trusted God and when she you know, focused as she always did on doing God's will, she could see, she could understand that it always worked out for the best. And she could see it in a way that, that was much clearer than we can see it. So she understood that it was God's strength that would see her through. This is what led her to just say simply, which is interesting, she doesn't say yes directly. Right? God wants you to do this. Okay, yes. I mean, she essentially says that, but that's not really what she says directly. Directly what she says is, I'm a servant of God. I'm his handmaiden. 
I'm his servant. Whatever he wants, I will do it. And this is what makes Mary so special, is that willingness. When she, when she knew God's will, she listened for it, she heard it, she immediately understood her role before God. Not just a reluctant, okay, I'll do my best. Not just a sort of, just a, in a sense, but a, a true interior understanding that I am a servant of God. And so therefore, whatever he asks me to do, I'll do that. Because it must be better than what I want to do. And then, of course, the message for us is rather clear, right? It's rather obvious. That God does not stop calling his people with, you know, the last apostles and with Mary. He continues to call us. He continues to place on each of us, on each of our hearts, his will. This is what I, I am asking of you to do. And when we know it, sometimes we may not like it. But if we can be like Mary, if we can understand ourselves as God's servant, I'm here to serve you, Lord. If we have that disposition, which is not an easy disposition, because we want to serve ourselves, or we, we say, well, I want to serve my family, which really is kind of about serving ourselves first. And I'm not saying we shouldn't serve our families or those dear to us. It has to do with what's, what's first and foremost, what, it, what ought to be primary in our lives. So that if we can actually get to the point of saying to the Lord, I am your servant, whatever you ask, I will do it. This is going to be the path of peace. This is going to be the path of joy and contentment in our lives. And so this is the message we have to contemplate for the next 23 and 23 hours and 40 minutes until we get to celebrate Christmas. Please stand.